Hey, we are live. I am Justin, also known as the DIY Audio Guy right here on YouTube. And we are here for season two, episode, is it five already, of the Sound Advice live stream and podcast. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, the one and only Nick from Toys DIY Audio. Hey, Nick, say hi. Hi. <laughs> a man, a few words. How's everybody doing out in the chat? Um, Nick, I feel like you're clipping just a little bit. Uh, can can y'all in the chat tell us if how we sound real quick? Give us a quick sound check. Hey, Sean. Oh, yeah. El Fuego is starting a home theater build and would like some uh, recommendations uh, for receivers on a budget. Uh, middle of road audio file price range, thinking 5.1. So we'll try to hit that one early on since someone threw a question almost uh, almost out there immediately. Um, Nick, you're more the home theater guy than I am. You're more of a receiver guy than I am. What would you recommend for a um, middle of the road uh, and an audio file range um, <laughs> receiver? Well, uh, here's the first thing I would say. They're almost <clears throat> all owned by the same company now. So, I mean, I hate to say it. Like, there's only like really two companies out there that make receivers. Everyone's getting bought out. Everyone's, and and it's, it's not saying that there aren't differences because there are. Um, but they're getting more blurred. Let's put it that way. So I would, mm -hmm. instead of looking at that, I would ask myself the questions, you know, what am I, am I looking for out of a receiver? Okay. So 5.1 is fine. Are you looking for later getting Atmos or not? Um, are you looking later to add external, um, amplifiers or have the ability to do that? You know, how many HDMI inputs am I looking for? Those are the types of things that are going to start getting you to the right amplifier. Because without those questions answered first, I can't recommend a middle of the line budget amplifier because it would almost be like, well, you know, what do you need? Um, so, for example, like for me, most of the time I always look for RCA outs because if I can, just in case I want to use, you know, other amplifiers in the future, I can do that. Now, I will mention one of the websites that uh, you can go to is Accessories for Less. They sell a lot of uh, refurbished uh, receivers. Now they're manufacturer refurbished by the manufacturers and you can get them for a significant savings. So that's one of the great places to go to go buy one right now. Kip has an opinion on this. Kip says Marantz uh, is greater than Yamaha is greater than Onkyo is greater than Denon, uh, which is interesting because I'm running a, a Denon. <laughs> Uh, and the reason why I'm running a Denon is years ago when I moved into this house, it was time to upgrade and I bought the Denon. It was a refurbished from Amazon and it was cheap. And then every time I'd have a lightning strike, I would lose an HDMI channel. Like there'd be a power surge at the house or something like that. And I'd have to power, uh, power cycle the receiver and it would have one less HDMI channel. And it finally got to the point where I didn't have enough channels and I went and bought another one. And I just got the newest version of what I had because I wasn't in the mood to do a bunch of research on what to use. Um, and I'm perfectly fine with the Denon, um, but Kip disagrees with me. So but, that's fine. And I have Yamaha at the bottom of my list. So, you know, that's it, everyone has their own personal opinions. And with me, Yamaha, unfortunately, uh, is often a much brighter receiver. So depending, like, especially if you do horn speakers or things like that, the Yamaha can end up, you know, being a little bit brighter than I like. Now, you can, so, um, I mean, you can DSP like almost all of them now, but still. Just in general. The thing I like about the Denon is it does come with the calibration and setup mic where it goes through that system where it plays the whoop sounds on all your speakers and uh, and sets it up for you. 
And so I, I like that. And that was nice to know that, it, you know, assuming that it works properly, it's almost like a kicker key, almost as good as that. Right, Kip? Um, I invited Kip to come join the show and uh, pop into the chat today because I wanted to give him a shout out. You may notice that I am sporting some uh, new kicker gear. So Kip, hooked me up and sent me some kicker gear. Uh, he sent me uh, several shirts and a beer cozy and a stool. So I'm looking forward to putting that together and using it to sit on at some point. And so Kip, thank you for sending that out to me. I'll try to wear them in videos as much as I can. So thanks for popping into the chat and saying hello. And thanks to kicker for supporting your, your creators. I was, um, I, I was in a rush to get started today and I left the beer cozy downstairs, but I had the beer, so it's okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I would I would probably start off accessories first, but you know, almost every receiver at budget friendly is gonna have a setup microphone. Now each setup microphone is going to be different. We'll mention that too. Um, you'll notice some will say like Odyssey, some will say like Odyssey XT, some will say XT32. Each one of those will actually do a little bit more uh than than the other one. And so some of them will actually EQ your subwoofers, some will not. So, you know, those are the things I would look for first. I, last thing I'd look for is the power output. Don't pay attention to that number. Oh yeah, it's just lies, pure lies. <laughs> yeah, don't don't ever um, buy a receiver off rated power output. Um, so Thomas Marshall put put a comment up here. Um, he says that he says don't laugh, but his Logitech Z five fifty THX setup rocks, and I'm not going to laugh at that because if it is THX, it means it's supposed to conform to a standard. So it should conform to the standard. Would you agree, Nick? Well, it uh, that it conforms to... T well, it has to. So, sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, more well, feedback I, from Kip. Morantz bought Dinon. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, Morantz... Well, that's why I say, like, they're all, they all pretty much own each other now. Morantz is, is my favorite. Uh, I And I, I'm with Kip, though. I don't like Denon either. Denon is near the bottom. Like, Denon and Yamaha are at the bottom for me. Um, I would rather have the Ankyo, although Ankyo doesn't, they got bought out too now. So I don't know. I, I don't even think Ankyo makes receivers anymore. I thought about going with a more entry-level Morantz, but I wanted to stick with 7.1 channels. Not that I use any more than 5.1, so I probably should have just gone for the Morantz. No, Ankyo does make them again. Oh, that's good. Uh, you know, I th there, this last year has been like so crazy with everything that's going on. Pioneer stopped making them too. Huh. I, I'll get it to you. I don't know. I'll get it to you. Uh, uh, Justin will hook us up. All right. Well, cool. We we in a clicker shirt. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, there's there's several good ones. Um, so I'm I'm looking. For, they, I look like I work for Kicker now. So. Oh, can you highlight regular guys' audios? Killed Energy, Athena, and many others. I'm not familiar with Killed Energy, but I've heard of Athena. No, well, they, it's it's not. Um, Klipsch absorbed these other companies, or the people. Uh, uh, Energy was one, and Athena was one of my favorite budget speakers of all time. They sounded so much better than what you paid for. Now, I'm not saying that they were, you know, thousand dollar speakers. They were like a hundred and thirty dollars for a pair of tower speakers that sounded like as good as like the top of the line Klipsch Energy speakers. And they bought them out, and then they just trashed them, but. I always liked Athena. Uh, I'm, I'm always afraid I'm pronouncing the name wrong. What jo Joaquin Juarez says, I wouldn't be surprised if Epsilon owns everybody in five years. Good Lord, I hope not. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Oh Lord, that would be the worst thing ever. Kip, please don't sell your company. Don't let don't let the boss sell the company to Epsilon. <laughs> please no. <laughs> Quick shout out to Andy. I think we've got Andy scheduled to be on the show at some point, don't we? Uh, next week. Next week. Awesome. That's going to be great. We have a longtime viewer, first time commenter, Dale. Dale, are you a viewer of my channel or Nick's or both? In any case, we're glad to have you here in the chat. You've got a Harley Davidson with a 750 watt, eight inch sub driven by a 400 watt Kenwood that you can't feel or hear. Need marine and small mono. Got any recommendations? Well, I don't it's know. Being driven by a Kenwood. My <laughs> amps are all Kenwoods right now. I'm looking to upgrade them as soon as possible. I bought them because they were compact and they fit. Um, I don't know that. You know, my thing with a with a Harley is I don't see how anyone gets any base out of those things. You don't have large storage, uh, you know, spaces to put subwoofers. An eight inch is only going to do so much. Um, and you know. How do you how do you even get a subwoofer in a motorcycle, right? I mean, because you've got the thing closed in a in a storage uh, compartment, right? Um, maybe it would be better just to a base shaker. Maybe, maybe you although, need to go with something. The motorcycle is basically a base shaker anyway, so I don't know that it can compete with um, that anyway. Because you're yeah. sitting on the um, engines. I, don't know. I, I wonder, uh, Kip, does Kicker have any um, any suggestions for a subwoofer on a motorcycle? I've not I've not tried to put a subwoofer on a motorcycle, so I don't have good advice. It's in the saddlebag. Oh, wait, is it in an enclosure in the saddlebag or just sitting in the saddlebag? More than likely, it's an enclosure that fits into the saddlebag. And then, um, um, and so it's in the saddlebag itself. It's probably a hard bag, right? A hard case is my guess. I don't know. Could be. Well, good thing that Mr. Irby has said no, because we, we don't need another company going to Epsilon. Um, All right, Nick, but, here's a question for you. Yeah, Okay, the saddlebag is the enclosure. Yeah, see, like, that's your first, first problem, I think. Right. Because the no way that... Right, so you close the... You put the woofer in the saddlebag, and then you close the saddlebag. Uh, sound can't get out, right? <clears throat> Correct. Well, no, it's not just that it's the saddlebag is, I, you know, I guess we got to, is, is this a plastic saddlebag? I'm guessing it's probably like a fiberglass. Is it? Cause well, cause there's leather, there's fiberglass. Oh, it's a hard case. It's yeah. I'm guessing it's a hard case uh, saddlebag. I don't know enough about Harley's to give you a good answer. The bag, the enclosure, I have holes in the side. Uh oh. Hmm. Is it is my it, okay? Never mind. You're you're um, fine. Yeah, I just realized what I was doing. The bags, the enclosure, and I have holes in the side. So the holes are acting as ports. Then I, I'm more of like the holes are what keeps the sound from being completely contained inside the saddlebag. Imagine you've got a, a trunk that's fully enclosed that's outside of your car. Yeah, I know. I'm saying like, but anytime, like if, if the subwoofer's in the saddlebag and you have holes in it, they're acting as ports either way. Because you're either creating some type of bandpass box, right? Like some type of like, I don't know, fourth order or whatever, or you're, or you're creating a ported sub. Yeah. I think because regular audio has kind of hit the nail on the head here. It's like the same issue with the convertible, right? You've got the you got the subwoofer in the um, 
in the trunk, basically, and the trunk is sealed off by the convertible top. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I, I have not yet have not yet tackled the entire how to get a motorcycle to sound good. Yeah, I would almost need to have pictures of what's going on because I can't, I can't, I can't for you can't whatever visualize. reason. I can't visualize it for whatever reason. But I, I would say, I mean, your first issue is like anytime it's in a saddlebag, even if it's a hard case, the subwoofer itself needs to be facing outside. And if it's not facing outside, you've created a whole nother enclosure, right? Right. So. So that's my point is like, the right. I'm Googling Harley out. hard case saddlebag here. So I'm not, I'm not really sure to be honest um, without facing it outside. And then like he said, he's going to need some type of weatherproof one, something like a, uh, something what made out of like P- yeah. PVC. I don't know. So uh, Dale said he's going to send a pic. You can send that to uh, DIYAudioGuy at gmail.com, and I'd be glad to try to give you my thoughts on it. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, how's the JP8 going? Uh, uh, 25 Hertz to Life is asked. Right now it's just acting as a prop for videos at the moment. I haven't hooked it up yet. I do have some plans to explore some things with it, and we'll see how that goes. So so someone asked about the Dayton Esoteric. Um so yes, I wanna, yes. I want to mention that real quick. Uh, yeah, here you go. You need to vent out the out of the bag, or you're just not going to hear. Then that's kind of what I what I was getting at. Right. Uh, and once everything you get, well, hurts, just disappears. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. It's going to have to. So someone asked about the Dayton Esoteric. That was the ES180 Ti8, I think. And he asked what I thought of it. So first of all, it's one of the most beautiful drivers I've ever seen. Uh, it is just gorgeous looking. It has uh the face of it it's that woven glass fiber it's beautiful i mean honestly i feel like if you're kind of use it you should put it like in like a fiberglass i'm sorry fiberglass some type of like clear enclosure where you can see it because it's just so amazing now, having said invert, that invert the cone or something well no because the cone is beautiful too so you want it to be like a plexiglass oh, case yeah. or something like you know so i i think it's beautiful now having said that I think in, in that price range, there's probably better. Um, I I like it a lot. I've always liked it. I, I think I mentioned it on my, my channel when I reviewed it that I liked it. Um, and the speaker I designed with uh, one of the esoterics, I really, really liked. Um, having said that, I don't know. I just I feel like there's probably better in the seven inch price range still, although it does get low. It does. Um, not have as much X max though. It's only 5.3 millimeters X max. So, you know, all right, here's a question, uh, opinions on the kicker CVR 12 dual voice coil. And, uh, when will you make a box for this sub? Um, as far as now, this is one of those things I get a little bit confused by kickers model numbers. I don't think they make a CVR anymore. I think that stands for comp VR. Um, Kick, uh, Kip, you can correct me on this. Um, I don't have any experience with the actual CVR myself. Uh, I've got a Comp R, and I, you know, some people call that a cheap entry level sub, and I love it. I, I think it sounds great. I'm real happy with it, and it's on sale right now. Uh, Sonic Electronics website has them nice and cheap. So, Kip, if you have any uh, any uh, any advice to give on Comp CVRs, uh, feel free to to share it in the chat. 
Yeah, I'm going to also mention the uh, the other one that he talked about was the Dayton Audio RS270-P. I've, I've never used that one. I've used Dayton Audio. I've used some of their paper audio uh, with their reference series. They're always very, very good sounding. And that's the thing with the Dayton Esoteric as well. It sounds really good. This for 110 bucks for 10 and 12 for sounds really good. Once again, you're going to be limited on excursion. So, you know, that's going to be your main uh, limiting factor when you use something like that. Awesome. All right. I've got a list of questions. And I want to make sure I hit a couple of these. I feel like I'm dominating the conversation, but I'm going to go ahead. And um, and so I've put out some uh, videos about port tuning. Just put a video out that kind of explained the physics of what's going on with a uh, with with a port. Um, and uh, well, there's your answer about the the comp VR or CVR is the older version, uh, older version of the comp R. Okay. Thanks for the clarification. Um, I've had a lot of questions about the relationship between the tuning frequency of a ported enclosure and the resonant frequency of a subwoofer, the FS and the FB. And uh, a lot of people are asking me, can I tune a subwoofer below the subwoofer's F, um, FS, the resonant frequency? Nick, can I tune a subwoofer lower than its resonant frequency? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I think people put too much emphasis on that resonant frequency. And my experience with, you know, playing around with WinISD and building a few enclosures, um, you can tune it as low as you want. Well, of course you can. You know, how it will sound when it gets tuned far too low is <laughs> an issue, of course. I think, though, when most people ask that question, too, though, they're asking, like, can you tune it flat, you know, past the mm -hmm. FS? At least that's the way well, I hear it, at least. Um, at least in home theater, that's what a lot of people ask. And the answer is still yes, absolutely. I mean, it all depends yes. on the TS specs. you got to put them in and figure out what's going on and go there. But you're right. You can do an extended base shelf. You can do you know, a negative six decibel extended base shelf. You can just tune it to whatever frequency you want and not care as well. I mean, yeah. And I think it's too easy for someone to pull up the TS parameters when they haven't really worked with TS parameters before and look at those numbers and say, oh, look, there's the resonant frequency. It's 40 hertz. This woofer can only play 40 hertz. Well, no, you can tune it to 30 and and it, it might have an F3 of, of 28 if you did that. So that resonant, that, that resonant frequency is not really a way to know for sure how low it can go or where it would sound good at as far as tuning it goes. Um, mathematically, the resonant frequency is a function of the weight of the soft parts, the cone, the coil, the things that move and the, um, the softness or the compliance of the suspension. And so when the moving parts, when the soft parts get heavier, the resonant frequency actually goes down. So sometimes all it's really telling you is you've got a heavy cone. Yeah. And it just stands for, uh, the free air resonance. So here I'm going to, I'm going to share my screen because I'm going to show you a good example. Oh, excellent. Because this was, all right. So this is the Tang Band W5 1138 SMF. Anyone that knows, this is what I consider my favorite real small subwoofer. Now it's not the best, like it's noisier than some of the other ones, you know, it, it has distortion and everything, but it's a five and a quarter inch subwoofer. that can get really low and that's just very rare. So, you know, it's pretty cool. Mm. Um, but its resonant frequency is 45 hertz. And yet I tune this thing 35 hertz all day long, F3 between 35 and 32 hertz, depending on what I'm doing with it. 
uh, no issues there with tuning that low. And that's tuning it flat. That's not tuning it you know, with a big bump or anything. That's tuning it flat anechoically. Right. The true voice of reason says FB, FP, F3, all the important things to know. Um, and the way I like to think about it, the the FS, I think you meant to type, the, the resonant frequency is the woofer by itself. FB, the tuning frequency of the box, is the box by itself. And F3 tells you how low you can actually go. So that F3 points where you're down three decibels, this means you're down to half half the musical power. And so basically anything lower than the F3, you're just not going to get that much output. You'll get some, right? It'll be there. Um, but after you throw on an infrasonic filter, there's just not much going to be happening below the F3. And the F3 is what you get when you combine the woofer and the box. So I'm going to just clarify that because you're yes, right. Yes, and, clarify. And, and, anechoically, you're right. But once you put it in a room, that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> yes. We I mean, we, we all... <laughs> Well, I think about the cabin gain in a car, right? I mean, oh, if, yeah, if yeah. you've ever tried to, to look at that, I mean, well, the cabin gain in the car is probably why car audio got big in the first place. You basically turn the interior of a car into part of a band pass enclosure, and it's awesome. Oh, the, uh, highlight living loud with Andy's um, comment, if you wouldn't mind. If I can find it. This one right here? Yeah, I'll never forget my conversation with Jeremy Brown. Me. Well, the FS is 26 hertz, so I figured it'd play nice and low. Jeremy. Well, the Solo X wasn't technically designed in the mind of 17 hertz. <laughs> you know, and that's true. I mean, there's times where the FS will be like 26 hertz and stuff, and it will tune um, higher than that. Like, its F3 will, will end up being like 35 hertz. Yeah, once again, tuned Chevy Chef, right? Yeah. Is that what that means? Is that what gets some comment uh, means? Flat, yeah. I, oh, I don't know. I wasn't reading his comment. What do you say? Most new car um, audio subs have a high FS in the 40s and 20s. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it seems like um, a lot of those um, six and a halfs and eights are going to have a very high FS because the FS is not just the way of the cone. It's the way of the cone relative to how soft the suspension is. And, you know, I mean, eights and six and a halfs are cool, but they just can't do what tens and twelves and fifteens can do. And I, here's the deal. I think the most most important thing to take away this, if you're worried about FS, don't worry about FS in terms of tuning. Some drivers are going to tune above FS. Some drivers are going to tune below FS. Um, it's going to be dependent on your design and it's going to be dependent on the TS the rest of the TS parameters of the subwoofer. Right. Right. Driver. They're all they're all tied together. One TS parameter doesn't define how a subwoofer will perform. Yeah. And I feel Thomas like Marshall. Uh, real quick, oh, I sorry. feel like the other thing that people get confused about too is VAS. Like they'll look at VAS and they'll think that's what size their box is supposed to be. And right. that also is not what that means. Right. The VAS actually is um a way of expressing how stiff the suspension is. The VAS is saying that the suspension has the same stiffness as this amount of air would have if you tried to compress that air. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the most common questions I get asked a lot is, well, if the VAS is only 1.5 cubic feet, why did you make your box three cubic feet? <laughs> right. I, Right. Yeah. The the VAS is related to the CMS mathematically. So the VAS and the FS will be 
tied to each other mathematically. They'll, they'll, it'll, those, those things will auto-calculate off each other in WinISD. Uh, regular guy audio is enjoying the conversation. I'm glad you're all, I'm glad you are. Um, Nick, what have you got? What have you got? Questions from your channel, from your forums. Um, y'all are hanging out on the forums, right? Nick's got some awesome forums. In fact, Andy is the, the, the chief boss of the car audio forums on towards DIY audio website. So, yes. And actually, well, for those that don't know, today's the last day to get, get on that site. But if you get on the site, if you write anything down in the car audio section, you'll be entered to win. I do have a prize set in mind. I can't, I'm not going to tell you guys what it is right now, but on the sixth, we will announce that when Andy's on here and I will also announce who won and also uh, get in contact with you. So, um, yeah, so let's go ahead and share. Let me share this. This is, this is a driver I've been asked a lot about. Uh, so I thought maybe we could talk about it. Uh, this is actually one that I, I did a whole video on on the website. I did not do a video on my channel on it. Um, now, having said that, it's the only you just have to go look at it on the website. Like you don't have to, um, you know. I actually got closed out of it, so now I have to find it. But um, if you go to the website, you can see that we actually did a whole. I did a little video on it with WinISD. And people have been asked about this new GRS subwoofer because it looks to be like this really crazy value for sixty dollars. Um, let me share my screen. G GRS, that's the the same GRS as that killer twelve and ten that we like so much. The great great replacement speakers. Great replacement. Yes, but this one is the um, this one is the high excursion version. This is like a brand new one that came out. If you check Ooh, out the web double stacked magnet. Ooh. Yes, it's a double stack. It you know it is a stamp steel frame, which makes sense because it's sixty dollars. It's on back order right now until January. You know some of the things I don't like about it. I'll mention right off the bat the tinsel leads. If you see they're not they're not connected to the spider in any way, shape, or form. So you might get those flapping against uh, the you know the cone or something when it's really moving. But here's the deal. Like this thing does a really good job. Like this models really well. And this models well in anything from a two and a half cubic foot to four cubic foot box. Uh, it's, a that, paper that, it's a paper cone. It's a paper cone. Yep, okay. It's a paper cone. I mean, it's going to be using, you know, most of your less expensive quality parts, right? Like, so it's paper cone, stamp steel, you know, most of the stuff on here is very, very basic. I'm not going to pretend like it's not, but it only takes a 250 watt amplifier. So you're good there. If you get like the SPA 250, that has a lot better um, dynamic the, the power. S, the SPA 250 is on sale right now. I hit my blog and get you one of their coupons and go buy an SPA 250. Yeah. And, and this, this is like 60 bucks. Uh, it's it's actually not a bad, bad little unit. And it'll get you to the mid 20s for 60 bucks, you know, and that's good. And you don't have to really worry about your cone excursion there. And I mean, I, I've never heard it, but I think at the $60 price range for how low it goes for home theater, I think it would be hard pressed to, I mean, I think it's, I think it's good value. Let's put it that way. Nick, I'd like to hear your opinion of this. Um, uh, this is regular guy audio's response to Eric earlier. Eric is a, um, Eric's variety channel. First time catching the show. Thanks for catching the show. Do you think cars will reach a point where it's impossible to upgrade any part of the audio system? 
Uh, <sighs> probably. <laughs> yes. Some of them kind if of are. If you've ever been in a Tesla, you 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 know that there's no <laughs> what, what other than gutting the entire radio and doing a lot of very complicated integration stuff. I don't think you can put a radio in a Tesla. Um, I hope that that's not that's not the truth. Uh, hey, what's the X Max on that subwoofer, Nick? Oh, it's it's crazy, and that's the thing too. Like at full power, you're not hitting excursion. That's the thing that I like about this. Now you do have a little bit of issue, and I'll, I'll mention this right off the bat. You're going to have a little bit of an issue with your uh, your rear port air velocity, but if you use like one of those, which we've talked about many times, those precision ports that are flared on both ends, I think you'll be fine. And the areas where you have it are between like 25 and 15 hertz. So once again, how often are you going there anyway? And then, you know, when you do, can you can you make up for it? So let's see. The excursion is 12 and a half millimeters, which is really good for a 12 inch inexpensive. Yeah. So I'm looking at that. And what I've noticed is that the um, Dayton Audio Classic Series 12 that I've used in my home theater has gradually gotten more expensive. It's got about 12 and a half millimeters of X max, a very similar looking driver. I'm wondering if maybe what they've done is they're using this GRS is now going to be their low end driver. Um, you know, as opposed to their really cheap driver, it's going to be their low end kind of entry driver. Talk about This is as, their high end of the GRS <laughs> as the, yeah, this high end GRS is going to be replacing their, what used to be their cheapest Dayton. Uh, a lot of people keep saying that the that uh, Kip's show is rigged. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know either. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and link uh, where we talked about that subwoofer in the forum. If you guys want, there's a video there that you guys can watch too, where I kind of go over the WinISD aspects of it. Nick, you got any questions from uh, from your channel you want to ask? Well, I, I just went over that one. All right. Good with that one. I got one that I think is interesting. I'm going to share my screen here if I can figure out how to do that. Uh, where's the share screen button at? There it is. I keep getting people who jump into my uh, my channel and they keep asking me over and over again. I don't know why. What's the matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? And I can't for the <laughs> life of me figure out what it is that they're talking about. I mean, I'm... I don't see a resemblance. Do y'all see a resemblance? Only in the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? <laughs> don't you think they're funny? <laughs> Dude, speaking of clowns, have you ever seen that 80s movie? I think it's 80s, maybe early 90s. Killer clowns from outer space. I've never even seen these movies that, that this guy's based on. I'm not a horror movie fan, but every now and then I do get someone pop into my comments and say that I look a little bit like him. So, but it's <laughs> all right. That was yeah. fun. Have you, got, have you got another good question to talk about? Well, one other question that people have brought up a lot to me. Um, I'll just, I'll mention this again. Once again, it's about a subwoofer that's new. I, I, th I feel like a lot of people ask me about, a lot of subwoofers that are new and I understand that like, you know, you want to get your best bang for the buck, right? Like, and I, and I get that. Why, why wouldn't you? So that's the new Dayton HE. And this one looks really well made. Um, that's the high excursion, right? 
That's the new got that big triple stack magnet. I'll get it in the stream in a second, just as soon as I become competent at using StreamYard. Well, That's where'd great. it go? It, it disappeared. I, I got it for you. Here you go. There it is. <clears throat> it's, it's just loading. So here it is. Here's the new high excursion. It's kind of cool because it does have two plus two ohm, right? So you can either make it four or one ohm. I love the bindings. Like you can definitely tell, like this is a higher, uh, a much better quality subwoofer, right? We got the everything is is nice on this. I love the binding posts too. You know, just everything is well made. Triple stack motor. The thing is massive. A lot of people want to use this for home theater, and there's nothing wrong with this. I actually did a full WinISD video on this uh, with for um for my uh patrons so that's not going to be one that unfortunately that you can see um here's the deal with this one though i am not a fan of this for home audio as is without some type of passive radiator and at this price i'm almost like i feel like it's almost priced itself out of the market at least in home theater wise with this I think this would make a much better car audio that don't care as much about sound quality. Just very hard to get that. Um, unless, unless you want to lose power, which you could do that. You could give it less power, right? If you, unless you just want to give it less power, uh, you have a lot of issues with rear port air velocity uh, when you tune it low. Uh, and either rear port air velocity or first port resonance, depending on how you do it. And so for me, I would rather go like at this price range, especially if I'm going home theater, I would do a Dayton Ultimax or I would do the MX-15. Like those would be, you know, if I'm if I'm sticking with Dayton, I should say. We were talking about this before the uh, before the stream, uh, talking about the the asset port you need to make this thing work, especially in a home theater. And Nick, you mentioned uh, going with the passive radiator. Well, the rule the rule for a passive radiator is you've got to be able to uh, move twice the, the volume of air. So you need uh, one, one radiator with double the X max or two with the same X max. Holy crap, what kind of passive radiator do you need for this thing? You're going to need four of the damn things. I mean, that's the thing. Like it's it's designed in a way that it should sound really good, right? I mean, as far as, you know, the, the parts that go into it, the way it's made, the way it's designed, it's probably doesn't have much distortion at all, but I don't know that I want to buy that. And then also spend however much it's going to cost for the passive radiators to get it to where it's going to be. And then not only that passive radiators, once again, aren't going to tune it as well as, you know, the port and I mean, most of the tuning out there for like a decent sized box is like 20 set mid, mid twenties anyway which what's the uh, recommended I, rms of this one nick if you don't mind me interrupting 800, you. 800? i think it's 800 1600 yeah okay. so i i would rather go with like i mean you could go with the mx15 which is cheaper than that you get a 15 inch bigger box but you don't have any of those issues and it's the same power rating you know at that price there's so many great subs that that could probably hold i mean that's a lot of power uh, but there's so many great subs at that price i'm not sure what a 12 inch kicker q class costs because i was telling kip you know hey send me some stuff i'll talk up kicker <laughs> and so uh i'm doing it kip <laughs> like i said i would so i got a question for you nick that popped up in the chat and i would love to know your thoughts on this should there be more women in car audio yeah you, you know my feelings on it are that this is a hobby that should be for everybody. 
there shouldn't be anyone who shouldn't be interested in either car or home audio because anyone who loves music should be into audio. Yeah, more kids as well. I mean, I- yeah. Uh, you know, I know that, you know, if you, if you read psychology, you might know more about this than Nick than I do is that men have a tendency to be more, more interested in things and women more interested in people. So the trick to getting more women into car audio is to be more relational. Or to have uh, you know, more interesting people. Or to have more what? interesting people. Hello. Start having all your wives listen to this. Hello. More interesting people. <laughs> Um, here's something that I find funny. Um, you know, I, I've tried to convince my wife over the years to upgrade radio, um, upgrade radios in her vehicle. Oh no, I'm not into that stuff. It's not cool. I don't really like it. But anytime I go on a road trip with her in my truck, by the time we get where we're going, my ears are bleeding. I said, I said this in the last live stream, right? My ears are bleeding because she gets in the truck and she cranks it up and she's not into the bass heavy stuff, but she loves the music and she jams. And I put a, I put an Alpine uh, radio in her car so she could have um, Android auto. And when I go on a road trip in her car, now my ears are bleeding when I get out and it's just cause she loves music and she'll crank it up. And it's just like, I've been telling you for years. And she's like, yeah, I guess you were right. Well, and I think that's the thing too is, Honestly, part of it is there's a bad stigma around it, right? Car audio, home audio, etc. And the reason why is everyone is happy with their system, but a lot of people, unfortunately, that we know of also have really bad systems. <laughs> you know, let's just call it the way it is. And you know, and so you 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 buy these cheap Sony Explode speakers, they throw them in there, or they buy these the cheapest Klipsch brand speakers, throw it up there, throw it up so high that all we hear is distortion. And it, th- it turns everyone off. You're like, uh, I, I don't even like listening to that stuff. You know, um, I, uh, hey, thanks, Robert Clark. Uh, two earthquakes, right? Nice. Um, you know, I got the, um, you know, if you've watched my channel, you know, I've got that uh, inexpensive uh, box that uh, Sonic Electronics sent out to me with their kind of entry-level subwoofers. And my, my comment on the review of that was, if you've got 250 bucks to spend um, and you need some bass sure it works just fine does it sound good n- n- no <laughs> the, the amp is interesting though i've been tinkering with the amp and i'm gonna probably do a video on the amp the amp has some kind of limiter on it it won't clip i can't yeah. i cannot get it to clip i you know i th- i would like to highlight jim d's uh answer there because i think he's right and and i would say that on any of the the components but people should spend more money on a quality sub instead of cheaping out quality subs last. My kicker L seven is going strong for 13 plus years. I know a friend that used to use kicker L sevens in competitions. They lasted him for ever as well. And that was in competition. I mean, I'm not sure I pronounce this sub dino sub dino man. Women love music in clubs and concerts. Absolutely. All right. Everyone loves music. Music's for everybody. So car audio should be for everybody. Um, well, you know, I, will, I will tell you this too. So I, I recently started getting into headphone stuff and I, I never, I, I, I don't know, but now that I have kids, it's like, it's kind of nice to have headphones on occasionally. But, uh, before I got like this awesome DAC and these are all by SMSL, this DAC and this headphone amplifier and hooked them up with your XLR connectors. I mean, it like opened up my ears to a whole nother, I don't know. Cause I'm so used to cheap headphones, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, who cares? Or headphones, whatever. But then when you start really listening to high quality stuff, it really does start putting you on the level where you start being able to feel the music. Yeah. And not just feel it 
in your head and on your body, but also emotionally. And there, there's something about that with real speaker, real good speakers, movies and music get transferred to a whole nother level with good recordings. All right. Um, I'm going to try to, um, I just checked my messages. I haven't checked them for a while. I just got a message from Kip and he said that he would be, have time to actually join us on the stream. Um, and so sure. would you mind, Nick, I'm going to see if I can figure out how to send him a link and add him and see if he wants to pop in and, and, and chat with us a little bit as well. If yeah. you want to have Kip jump in for a surprise experience, a surprise guest, Kip, if yeah. you're still up for it, just join. If I can figure out how to get you a link. And if not, then just, co uh, just copy it. From I, Facebook. Oh, I found it. I okay. found it. Just got to go into Facebook now. So, um, hang on. So Nick, what else do you have? What are some of the questions that you get on your channel? Well, I, I, Thomas Marshall agrees with me and that's the most important thing. Cause I love Thomas Marshall. So, <laughs> uh, is China leading the way in, uh, speaker manufacturing. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you mean driver, like actual driver components. And I think the answer to that is yes, but they're also leading the world in like almost every manufacturing. So I don't know that that's really anything new there. So, uh, Kip, you can talk about what you built for your home when you, uh, when you jump in, if you want to pop into the link there that I just sent you, uh, feel free to, to comment on that more. Um, and 25 Hertz to life has a great question. Uh, favorite Miami base CD. Um, I don't know that I know exactly what is and is not Miami base, but I think one of my favorite, base CDs out there is, well, first of all, anything Techmaster PEB, anything base mechanic. Yeah, it's uh, base the mechanic. There it is. Yeah. And the Techmaster PEB, the, it came from outer base. Uh, the opening track on that is this really low frequency assault on your eardrums that is stunning if you have something that'll play the lows. It's like a 20 hertz note. And when I had my Dayton Ultimax with the passive radiator installed in the truck, uh, that thing just really, man, the way it just shook everything was just so much fun. Uh, Nemesis, I miss Nemesis. I wish there was more Nemesis out there. <laughs> Munchies for your base. Yeah, I used to always like uh, Darude as well, which it wasn't necessarily around oh, yeah. base in general, but just I always enjoyed that. But, you know, I think that's kind of the problem too, is like bass heavy music can sometimes give a bad, like when you hear bass heavy music, in a car that was not designed for bass heavy music, all you hear is the trunk and the doors going. That's a turnoff for a lot of people. I can't say for everyone, but there's a, for a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of women. I can say, yes, I think so. That definitely, definitely is. Um, and my feelings on the matter are that if you're going to do this. Um, in addition to, you know, avoiding the really cheap bottom of the line speakers, go ahead and set aside money for some, for some uh, dynamat or equivalent material. And a little bit on the trunk goes a long way. One of those kits on the license plate, and they sell just license plate kits. I mean, if your license plate's rattling, please put some sound deadener on your license plate. Or just remove it. Cops don't care. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. That's terrible advice. <laughs> I am not so, liable for that statement. <laughs> so I've got one for you right here that I would love to know your thoughts on it. 
um, uh, Nick. So um, someone popped in, asked this question. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, 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 Doug, Doug Tond, uh, one of my viewers, uh, uh, asked this question. Uh, is there any straightforward method for determining the angle of drivers in a sound quality setup, primarily tweeters? And, um, and so that's the first thing, right? Uh, it went also, in, a, in a car, right? Well, you know, the thing is that the, the principles are the same car or, or, or home, right? Because the issue is beaming. Well, it can be, I mean, it, some of it depends on what you're trying to accomplish too, right? Like, are you trying to, cause for example, we've talked about this on the show with uh, high five Vega. Are we talking about for one seat or multi-seat? Mm. Right. Yes. So that's why I'm saying we're talking about a car, not home audio, right? And Kip has popped in. Thanks for joining, popping in, Kip. Um, <laughs> How y'all doing tonight? Kip, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. One of my viewers asked the question: Is there any straightforward method for determining the angle of drivers in a sound quality setup, primarily tweeters? Well, you know, that's a loaded question. I'm going to give you a loaded answer for that because, you know, <laughs> you, you, before you can talk about aiming a tweeter or worried about aiming a tweeter, you need to look at what's its response on axis and off axis because knowing those two properties on a tweeter are going to tell you, uh, do you need it aimed directly at your ear? Are you going to get a better sound if it's not aimed directly at your ear? And then you have to also take into account all the materials that are around the tweeter where it's mounted, hard glass, hard plastic, leather, whatever it may be. You've got all sorts of reflections and refractions that are going on there. So my, my first answer is most people just want to aim the tweeter at their ear. But you have to also understand that that doesn't necessarily always sound the best. Yeah. And that, and what I was just talking about too with him is we also have to decide like, wh who are we aiming for the best sound for? Is it just for the driver or is it a multi-seat position as well? Cause that's going to also make a difference, right? Absolutely. You know, back in the day before, you know, two back up, sorry, I got keep hitting pop-ups on my phone here. I apologize. <laughs> um, glad I'm off duty and I don't have to be professional tonight. The, uh, <laughs> The thing is, back in the original days of competition, you know, everything was basically set up as a one-seat tuned car. And I know there are some guys that will talk about how they set up a car for two-seat. And there were some radically altered cars back in the late 80s, early 90s, where, you know, they'd move the seat rails back and in. So basically, both seats were in the center of the equilateral triangle. So you get, you know, really good sound in both seats. But honestly, most cars were single-seat cars. You fast forward to today... There are a lot of cars, even OEM cars from the factory, that sound pretty good in both seats, but a lot of it has to do with upmixing up and a lot of it has to do with phasing, uh, where they're doing you know, an all-pass filter and changing the phase on a select group of frequencies to try to get that uh, imaging or staging for both people in the car. And, of course, center consoles in a car just destroy uh, mid-bass and your imaging and staging. That's why a lot of the problems come in a car. Mm. But, uh, you know, it depends. Like, so... If you go back into, I, I was blessed to spend a lot of time, and I did learn a lot of myself by working with Mark Eldridge and Gary Biggs. With anybody in here who knows anything about those two guys, they're some of the legends of car audio sound quality competition. And you know, sometimes those guys would shoot for aiming the tweeters right in the center of the car, uh, hoping that the off-axis response to the tweeter was a better response, or they were trying to get around reflections or uh, things that are where uh, where the tweeter was mounted. But Gary and Mark spent a lot of time altering their cars. They made the cars work as an audio system it wasn't just putting a pair of tweeters on an a pillar or down on your door sale pillar or something like that so it it really you got to decide what your goal is 
an understanding that nine times out of 10, there's only one person driving the car that needs to be happy, and that's the driver. So the answer to the Good question point. is, no, there's not an easy, simple formula. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So Jason Stokes just put this up in the chat a second ago. Would the enclosure need to be a little bigger using subs designed for car audio? So I'm assuming you're talking about a car audio subwoofer moved into a home theater setting. Uh, my answer to that is that in a home theater setting, you tend to tune lower and you probably need to make the box a little bit bigger and you have the room. Uh, Nick, Kip, what are your thoughts? I'd agree to that completely. You know, I don't want to try to draw a line in the sand between a home sub and a car sub. There are differences. It's not that you can't use either one in the other environment, but most car audio subwoofers today tend to be uh, a lot heavier mass. They're designed to have a lot more power to drive them. They're designed to get low in a smaller box. And then when you go to the opposite side of the equation, most home subwoofers truly are tuned a little higher. Uh, they're not tuned as low as they are in a car situation. Now, I can say from my own personal experience, and I joked about it, I've built home subwoofers for years. When I say years, I, I probably wouldn't be exaggerating if I said 25 or 30 years that I've played and tinkered and built my own home subs, not just car, but home as well. And I've used lots of drivers from the uh, Parts Express catalog. I know you guys are fans of them. Uh, I've been using Parts Express for a long time. Uh, and as a matter of fact, currently sitting here in the uh, little living area here, I have a Parts Express 15-inch. Um, and it's not the Ultimax, it's the one before they move to the Ultimax naming convention. So I think Titanic Mark III yep. might be it. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Yep, Titanic Mark III, yep. So I've got a Titanic Mark III in a uh, about a four and a half cubic foot box uh, sealed uh, with plenty of power on. I've got about 1,500 watts driving it. And it's... Uh, I, People want to put me in a corner sometimes and say ported versus sealed. And all I can say is I'm not going to choose one or the other. I'm going to say it's application specific and what you're trying to get out of the system. Um, I've heard some home ported subwoofers that I absolutely love. I've heard some home ported subwoofers I hate. Uh, <laughs> and I'll say the same thing about sealed enclosures. Uh, I tend to find myself being more of a sealed enclosure guy. But being a sealed enclosure guy means you got to have the right subwoofer and you got to have plenty of power to make it do what it want, what you want it to do before you reach the excursion of the driver. Uh, and so like the driver I'm using here right now, I got plenty of power. Uh, I actually have, if, if you were to look at the equalization I've got on it, I actually have a rising response that probably starts at about 45 cycles all the way down to 20 and it rolls up on the EQ. Uh, and what that simply means is when I do that much equalization, I got to turn the gain down. But then at moderate listening levels, when I'm sitting here watching a movie or anything on TV, when things blow up, I want to feel that they blow up, and they do. Now, I can mm -hmm. overdrive the driver very easily if I don't watch it, but that's not the fault of the driver or the enclosure of the power. That's the end user. In other words, me, the idiot behind the volume knob. Just know what you're doing. Well, and, and you also have EQ'd it, correct? That's what you're saying. Yes, I have yeah, EQ'd yeah. a lot of EQ. I mean, yeah. ironically, we joke about it at work, and Steve Irby says, you know, in a closed loop system, which is what's great. Like, if you look at some of the closed loop products that kickers come out with over the years, uh, like the Bullfrogs, the Amphitheaters, which are the Bluetooth uh, portable products, Steve Irby loves doing closed loop products because you have total control over how it sounds. Uh, if you want a four inch driver to play down to 30 hertz, you can make a four inch driver play down to 30 hertz. No problem at all. Just don't ask it to float babies at 30 hertz. It's a four inch driver. Yeah. But, but uh, Steve yeah. Irby loves those closed loop systems because you can tune and tweak them with the DSP to get them to sound any way you want them to. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone also had mentioned uh, shoe research and he said, you know, he had a 12 inch that went flat to like 18 hertz. And it's probably true. 
I do believe same thing with what Kip is saying. Uh, shoot research inside. Uh, if you look at the back of their amplifier, they actually have switches on the back where if you have one port open or one port closed, both open or both closed, and you, you actually flip the amplifier over. And although I don't know for certain, I'm 90% sure that has something to do with the DSP built in to activate that depending on what you're doing with it. Absolutely. You're changing either. There's probably some kind of a shelf EQ, uh, a low extended frequency boost going on, and you're changing either the knee or the gain with those switches would be my guess. Yeah. All right. Someone had asked a question a little bit earlier. I had up for a second. Um, advice for picking out a mid-bass driver. And so, Nick, in a home setting, what do you look for when you're picking out that six and a half plus or minus driver to go into a two or a three-way system? Well, unfortunately, there's some things that I would look for that aren't going to be on manufacturer's spec sheets typically because I want to look for low distortion, right? And unfortunately, you're not going to be able to get that typically from those. Sometimes you're going to have to order those in and actually test them to get that. So most of the time, I'm looking for linearity. And box size is typically not going to be an issue because if you're going mid-base, you're going to use a sealed box, and it's going to end up being very minute size typically no matter what. So... I'm not usually concerned about box size. I'm more concerned with linearity and crossover point as far as beaming in the regions that I'm trying to hit. So if I'm trying to go from like 500 Hertz to 2000 Hertz, for example, then I might choose a smaller driver depending on, you know, what the off axis is. And that's going to be all dependent on size anyway. In a, in a car, I tend to want to go for the biggest mid base that will fit in the factory location. <laughs> without hitting the uh, the window and everything else that might hit. But I know that there are some some rules that actually should be followed that deal with um, uh, some of the TS specs. So, Kip, as far as TS specs, what, what, what TS specs should you be looking for if you want to put a car, a speaker in a car door? Here's the thing. When you go to a car door, the thing that everybody realizes, unless you spend the time to actually make an enclosure, you're in a free air or infinite baffle environment. That's just the bottom line to it right there. And it's, I wish I could talk about something that's. Hmm. Don't, no, no, no. I can't, no, I can't I talk about it right trouble. now. I don't want to get oh, you in well, trouble. It, it wouldn't be you is. getting me in trouble. It would be me Wink. getting me in trouble. But, I don't want you to get in trouble. You know, the thing about it is, so for example, let's say you're designing a, a, a driver and mid-range is your focus. I mean, if you want this driver to be very acoustically flat up to say five to six to seven uh, K. And so you're trying to design a mid-range that will naturally roll into a tweeter and sound really good and natural up there and not have that honky mid-range sound because it's got that peak boost between two and five K that a lot of those drivers have. You need a cone that's really light really responsive and typically a stiff suspension. Now, what that's going to mean though, is it's not going to have a low FS. It's not going to be a mid base driver. Now, from a design standpoint, if you were to loosen the suspension up or add mass to the cone, you could get the driver to have a lower FS and get it to have that 60 hertz snap, that 60 to 80 hertz snap that most people associate with a mid base driver. But typically when you do that, if you start trying to loosen the suspension or add weight to get there, adding weight, you lose efficiency. Loosen up the suspension, you lose linearity at the upper frequencies. So I guess the thing I would say is understand, and, and I work for Kicker, and, and I've worked directly for Kicker for almost 26 years. 
there's no perfect speaker. We jokingly say all the time, the perfect speaker would be a single cone that covers every frequency from 20 to 20, perfectly linear, and there is no such thing. There's no such environment. There's no such an enclosure. So when it comes to what you're trying to do, you really need to focus on what are your goals. For me, I, if I'm just going to put a six and a half or a seven or an eight inch driver or a six by nine, because six by nine has become the eight inch driver of the, of the 2020s. I mean, every car out there is using six by nines in the front doors, which I don't think is bad at all. A six by nine is a great driver. It gives you lots of cone area and it gives you lots of great mid base. Just understand that it's always a compromise. If you're looking for a speaker, that's going to be quote unquote, sonically accurate or flat way up high it's typically not going to play really low. It's not going to get into that snappy region that most people consider mid bass. So then what it comes down to is where's your priorities. If you can get your subwoofer to fill that gap, if you can cross your subwoofer over a little higher so that you're making up for that lack of mid bass in your mid range driver, it can be okay. I'm speaking from personal experience here. We just did some listing demos last week is why I wish I could talk about something, but I can't, but it really depends on your goals. If I was looking for a general overall good mid-bass speaker to put in my car door, I'd want something that plays relatively flat up to probably three to 4K, uh, while at the same time, it would be snappy down to that 60 hertz region because that's where I like a speaker to play in through that range. Now, if I was looking for strictly a mid-range driver, and that's why I did all that preface, it, it kind of changes the rules because if you want a sonically accurate and flat mid-range driver that goes out really high, it's not going to play deep. Yeah, uh, that's a good point too. Uh, what what are you looking for? I got a question for you, Kip. Um, and you may not have an answer for this. I really don't know, uh, because I know that you mainly do car audio, and this is mainly in the home audio scene. And it's really, I can't say new, but it's relatively new in, ses- in the essence that the patent has been. Uh, you know, more people can make them now. Okay. But there's a thing called a uh, compression coaxial. Are you familiar with that? When you say compression coaxial, are you talking about with a horn-loaded driver in the center of the cone? Yeah. So no, actually, I'm not. But that's okay. a good. You're you're talking about like Eminence has some like that where you can like screw in the compression driver to the center of a cone in the mid-range. A compression coaxial is kind of new. Like, I can't say new, but because it's not. But BMS may, has made them for a long, long time, and now um, BNC and a few other people aren't. But it looks just like a normal compression driver that you'd either screw in TPI, but typically these are two or four bolt systems. Okay. Um, and it actually has, you know, just one hole there, but inside that it has both the tweeter and the mid range built into it. So they, they're supposed to be pretty much perfectly time aligned and it's, it's interesting. They're very expensive. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts on it, but if you're not real familiar with it, I guess you, you may not I, have. I don't know that I'm real familiar with exactly what you're talking about, that there's something I want to talk about. Um, what really what it sounds like to me is uh, you're talking about basically a uh, a horn loaded version of what we would call point source coax. Uh, and basically with horn loading, the whole benefit to horn loading and a lot of people may or may not know out there. You've you got your driver and you got your lens and the lens is what most people, you know, they call the whole thing a horn. But you got your lens. That's the throat or the, the throat and then the expanding throat that comes out front. That's your lens. You got your driver. The lens is an impedance matching transformer. And if anyone's familiar with uh, the old term Ballon, um, if you're ever familiar with like going from 75 ohm coax to 300 ohm flat wire, uh, you have those little round things that it's got the F connector on one end and the split wires on the other. That's that's an impedance matching transformer. That's an electronic or electrical matching version. A, a lens on a compression loaded horn driver does the same thing and that it takes the rapid movement at the back of the throat 
and it comes out and it transfers that energy. And instead of being rapid motion, it turns it into slower motion, but it's over a much larger radiating surface area. And so the lens is what gives you the efficiency. It'll, it couples the energy coming from the diaphragm into the air at a much larger surface area. So what you're describing to me, I mean, I love point source coaxials. Uh, our QS coaxials are a point source type driver where you're trying to get the tweeter and the mid-range basically time aligned right at the coil source. So what you, I, I can't say that I've played with one, but what you're describing to me sounds like a point, so, point source coax with a lens on it. Yeah, so if you're, hey, can you throw that, that uh, screen real quick, uh, Sir Justin? Uh, yes, yes. Right. So this this is the compression coaxial from BNC. Well, this is one of them. They have a bunch of different ones. BNC. See also, it's, but you're right. It's only it, seven hundred eleven dollars. Let's buy two or three of them. They have some. That, <laughs> they have some that are cheaper. But yeah, this is the first one I just grabbed or whatever. But yeah, and that's that's exactly like they both come out of that diaphragm. JTR, if you're familiar with them as home theater speakers, they use the compression coaxial, but they use BMS's version. That's all. Oh yeah, I guess I'll show. That's that's pretty interesting. So I was just curious. So that's that's cool to hear that uh, you like the idea of the basic principle of it, I should say. The basic principle is sound. It's all about, I mean, if you do a point source coax, and that's why what you're describing to me, that's what it sounded like was a point source coax with a lens on it. And so the lens simply gives you your efficiency. It's your impedance matching transformer from the, uh, from the diaphragm to the air, uh, whereas a point source coax doesn't have that. You know, I... I think horn-loaded compression drivers get a bad rap. I, I have heard I have heard some excellent sounding systems, whether it's in home or car or pro sound or nightclubs. Uh, I was blessed in my younger years to do a light commercial sound. And so I've heard some fantastic systems with horn-loaded compression drivers. I've also heard some horrible ones. Um, the thing about it is those systems I've heard that sound really good, they either used uh, really good lenses so that it controlled the diffraction and things that happened with that. Uh, I can't, uh, Eclipse, unfortunately, has patented the name on it. It's actually called a, uh, oh, my brain just, uh, a, yes, Tractrix. And so a, a Tractrix horn, uh, Clips patented the name, although I don't know how they can do that because everybody, you look up any manual, you look up any science about it, they all call them Tractrix horns. So, but Clips patented the name, so we can't use the name. We use that design in our horn-loaded compression marine cans. And I can tell you, I've had the opportunity to listen to our horn-loaded cans up against every other. There's not a brand you couldn't say that I can't tell you I've heard compared to ours at Kicker. And the smoothness and the natural sound of our driver just blows me away every time. But here's the thing. We give up just a little bit of output. And it's that just that little bit output in that range right in there. Yeah. And by giving that up and by mechanically EQing the lens to not do that, we may not be, and we're talking, you know, a half a dB, three quarter of a dB. We're not even talking anything that matters, but by giving up a little bit of that nasally output that does measure and register as SPL, it might be louder. It sounds significantly better. And so I, I think horn loaded drivers get a bad reputation because I think a lot of people have heard them. Um, I've heard a lot of these, uh, vehicles that they're out at the SPL shows and I, I can't get away from them fast enough. They sound horrible. It's not that they're loud. It's that they're horrible and loud. <laughs> yeah. I like that description. <laughs> so why, why don't we see more of that type of driver in car audio? 
Horn-loaded drivers? Well, just in general, I would say higher efficiency drivers. The, it all boils down, in my honest opinion, is uh, the lens. If you want to get a lens that'll do that type of work for you, and you're looking at the mounting depth, typically in a car, you can't get a decent lens in there. There's no depth. Yeah, well, but I mean, even for like a mid, mid, I can't say mid base, mid range, like a higher efficiency, like mid range or higher efficiency. It seems like most of the time, most of the efficiency is down low. And it seems like it's more pointed towards like what you were talking about earlier is more of that lower mid base. So you're as far as more of a PA style type speaker for car, higher efficiency for that. Well, for like people that care a lot about sound quality systems, for example, because it would seem to me that you would need less power, which should mean an amplifier and in most cases will have less distortion. And so uh, hopefully the speaker also, the driver also has less distortion because you're giving it less power. So it would seem to me that there, there should be some benefits there. If you go back into the Wayback Machine, which I'm accused of being in, which is fine, you know, uh, if you go... Uh, Gary Biggs, Mark Elger, Alma Gates, uh, the, uh, Rob Rice, the whole host of guys who were extreme sound quality. I mean, back in the day when SPL wasn't the thing that made or broke, made you or break you at a show. It was installation quality. It was sound quality. And then SPL was just part of your score. SPL wasn't your whole score. Mm. So when you go back into those days, those days when guys were focused on SQ, um, I heard lots of cars in that day with compression loaded horns. It sounded fantastic, but those guys spent a lot of work because basically the, the horns were under the dash. And when you looked at the throat size and the throat depth, I mean, we're looking at throats that were 22 to 28 inches wide. They wow. were three to five inches tall. And then the overall depth from the front of the lens to where the driver was could be 18 to 24 inches. <laughs> You're not mounting those in a typical car without a lot of custom work, which these guys did. They did tons of custom work to get those drivers in there. And you're right. When you have a driver that's that efficient, you're, you're not even running your amplifiers up into, you know, three to five Watts and you're getting tons of sound out of them. I mean, uh, you probably weren't even running them that high when they were doing SQ, when they were getting, they're doing SQ judge, they probably running half a Watt to a Watt and a half. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I, I always just wondered yeah. about that. I'm like, hmm. But that makes a lot of sense, what you're saying. I'm going to cut in real quick and say thank you to Tron Magnum for the super chat. Uh, super chats are always appreciated. We, we definitely uh, put that to good use building our channels. Uh, several questions have popped up that I want to just, since Kip, we've got you for a few minutes. Sure. And I don't want to be mindful of your time. It's after, no, it's you're after fine. I usually go for about an hour, but but we'll go as long as everybody's having a good time. And I'm having a blast, so we'll just keep going. Somebody asked a question about crossover point for the CS tweeter. And Thomas Marshall also asked a question about compression horns and silk dome tweeters. Um, a good combo in a car audio system. I think y'all just answered that. Personally, I'm biased towards the good old fashioned silk dome tweeter. And I don't think I could ever make a make a compression horn sound good, but people have done it. And when when it's right, it's right. When it's wrong, it's absolutely horrible. And I think that's the real issue is with compression loaded horns. I think the vast majority of us have been exposed to ones that have been done wrong. And so it's just a stereotypical response. You think about a horn loaded driver, you're me. Ah, those don't sound good. I, I've, I'll admit I was guilty of that way back in the day because most of my listen to were just, I mean, I, I'm growing a beard, so it doesn't really apply, but you could shave with a lot of those horn load compression drivers. You know, just tear in your face and just pick the beard hairs out because they're so harsh. And Kip, but do you have to know off the top of your head the recommended crossover point for your CS tweeters? It depends on the slope. So if you're doing your own thing, it depends on the crossover slope. But those are typically crossed over at 12 or 18 dB per octave at 3.5. Okay. 
So the resident frequency is probably about half of that then. More than likely, yes. I'd have to, you know, if he's talking CS, I'm sure he's talking CS components. So those come with a, it's either, and I can't remember, I could be wrong, but it's either 12 or it's 18 uh, dB per octave. And that's the thing that's crazy is we don't get fixated on a crossover slope has to be a certain slope all the time. When we're designing a set of speakers, um, I can tell you right now, we're going through some, some new product I can't talk about that's coming out. And, you know, we went back and forth between an 18, a 12, and a 6 dB per octave crossover based upon the tweeter. And depending on where you pick the crossover point, we, we got different sound characteristics out of it. And this one speaker we were designing, even though it was going to be the oddball in the bunch as far as technology, we ended up doing just a 6 dB crossover on it, which is ironic because people want to look at, well, it's just got a cap. It must be cheap or low end. No, it's designing a speaker to sound how you want is a is an art you got to spend a lot of time looking at the graphs listening with your ears and figuring things out and uh and just in this particular speaker uh the other two models are going to be 12 db per octave crossovers but this one is going to be six just because the resonance of the tweeter the resonance of the mid-range where they came together the 6 db on the tweeter uh sounded better so instead of crossing it over at say 3k at 12 db we went up to almost 6k and crossed over at 6 db and it just sounded fantastic. Yeah, I remember. And that's true. Uh, even in home audio, people look down on a, a first order crossover. A, a lot of times they say, you know, it needs to be second or third order. And I remember one of the cheapest speakers I designed it was called the reveals. And I think it was, I don't know, 30 or 60 bucks to build a pair. And it was a first order and people like rave about it. They're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And, but you know, some people look at that and they say it's first order. It can't sound good. And it's like, well, no, that's not true. If you want, if you want some education, just go get yourself some speakers at a yard sale. It doesn't matter what they are. Just go get some <laughs> yard sale speakers and open them up and take a look. Um, I did that back when I started my channel with the attempt to film it, but the, the, the camera was like, you know, you know, horrible filming. I never did actually make a video on it, but it was a set of speakers that someone had bought at a, at a mall store, like a JC Penney or something back in the early eighties. Cones completely <laughs> shredded long gone decades ago, probably. I cracked that thing open and it had a little bitty capacitor on the tweeter and a little bitty capacitor on the mid range just to keep those things from distorting and blowing. But someone went to a, a, a JCPenney in the 80s and listened to that and spent their money on it and probably loved it for a decade or two. You're right. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking at it going, wow, they got ripped off. But if they bought it and loved it for a decade or two and were happy with it, so what? Yeah. You know, True. ideally in speaker design, and, and this is something, you know, I've, I've, I knew what I knew. I didn't know what I didn't know. And what I still don't know is much bigger pool, but I, I learn about that stuff every day. And working with engineers and Mr. Irby at work is, is really great. But, you know, ideally, if you could design a mid-range driver to roll up, roll off naturally, and don't need any crossover on it at all. So just you're just taking your four, your five, your six, your eight, and it's just running straight power into it. And then you bring your tweeter in, and you can get design your tweeter to roll in with just a 6 dB per octave passive capacitor. It's actually going to be some of the better sounding systems you've ever heard. That's actually what I did with the Dynas. Um, the Dynas use a, they use a super tweeter and a, a full range driver, which we all know full range aren't really full range. Right. But, um, you know, and I did the same thing. I There's no crossover point from the mid-range into the tweeter, just from the tweeter to the mid-range, and it's a six decibel. And people love that sound. 
it it sounds really good. And you know, if you could run a tweeter without a crossover and design a speaker, you might try to get away with it. But I don't know of any tweeter that works well without a crossover. What are you talking about? What about the um? Uh, what am I thinking of, Justin? I can't think of the name now. Piso. Piso electric. Yeah. There you go. Piso. Yeah. Is it Piso? Is that how it's pronounced? They all sound good. Sound amazing, it's, right? It, it's like it. That's a tomato tomato kind of thing. I've heard them called Pizos. I've heard them called Pizios. So I, you know, take your pick. Either one's correct in my book. Uh, we make a product called the KB6000, which uses a six and a half inch mid range and a piezo of four by six piezo horn, and or excuse me, two by four piezo horn, and we actually put a resistor in there. As I know, this sounds strange, but with a piezo, a resistor acts like a crossover, and a capacitor acts like a current limiter. So that actually you can reduce output volume on it, which is totally the opposite. When you think of a tweeter, you, you it's it's piezos just work them. They're voltage, not frequency dependent. So they're just dif different animal. Interesting. And it, it, I'm not a fan of piezos per se. So it's I'm not a good judge of character when it comes to that. But there are so many people that love how that little KB6000 speaker sounds. And it's just a six and a half inch driver, no crossover components. Steve worked with the guys to get that thing to sound how they wanted with nothing on it. So there is no low pass on it. And then they just roll in that piezo. You could run that piezo full range. You can plug right into it and you wouldn't need a crossover on it. But Steve, to get the sonic character that he wanted out of that, it does have a coil and a cap on it. And uh, it's to shape that response on it just a little bit. It, it, to me, it makes it a little less harsh. Uh, but yeah, you could run piezos full range. Yeah, you're and right I, about that. And I, wait, I, you know, I, I'm being jestful here a little because most people don't like. We call them pizos, but piezo, piezo, whatever, tweeters. Yeah, I, I can't say most people. I, I should say me and Justin don't really care for them that much. Typically, I'm I, in the same boat. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, ironically, the best sounding one that I've ever heard uh, is uh, by Motorola. Oh, really? Yeah, I think Motorola. And the, all the ones I've heard over the years, I think Motorola made probably the best sounding one that I ever heard was from Motorola. All I can think of is oil for whatever reason. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't even imagine. All right. Wet Decent socks. ribbons or R-A-A-L? I have no idea what an R-A-A-L is. It's Raw. <clears throat> they're, they're a very high-end ribbon company. Okay. Speaking of ribbons, I mean, I, I don't know how far you guys go back in cardio, but do either of you remember – the Carver uh, Amazing Loudspeaker? No, I do no. Not, but it, I'm assuming they're by Bob Carver? Yes, that is. And this goes back into the, uh, this would have been early, mid-80s for me at a shop I worked at, and we sold uh, Carver, Bob Carver. And he made a speaker called the Amazing Loudspeaker. And it uh, it had, it, the speaker was probably every bit of six foot tall. It had a single subwoofer in the bottom. As I remember, I think it was a 10. And then it was a ribbon tweeter that went from the floor all the way up. Oh, wow. And they were inefficient as all get out. You, they took a ton of power, but you need a ton of power. I think they had a sensitivity is probably like 83, 82. I mean, they were just inefficient hogs, but it was an interesting speaker because of that ribbon. And I don't know that I, I won't say I like ribbons and I won't say I don't like ribbons. Ribbons are just different. I, I've got I like, I like, um, I like ribbons and yeah, I've heard to some like the raw and stuff, but I, it's the same thing. It's, it's like a, it's a different, you're one of those people. I feel like a ribbon is one of those speakers you have to listen to and decide whether you like or not. And even different ribbons can even sound different, but still in general, yes. you, you really almost need to listen to them. 
beforehand. I've, I've got some air motion transformers in my truck, and uh, they're crossed over really, really high because I've got middlers in the dash that take care of most of the mid range. Um, and I, I kind of like them. They're they're an interesting, uh, different, just a little different kind of sound. Um, so I would recommend trying those if you want to try some. All right. What kind of subs do you have in your cars? Uh, so, guys, uh, uh, Nick, do you got a sub in your car at the moment? And if so, what is it? Of course I have a sub in my car. What kind of silly question <laughs> is that? I have what came factory from Lincoln. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just an 8-inch factory. You know what, man? I have two kids I drive around in my car with, a 3-year-old and a 5-year-old, and I really care about their hearing, so I'm not going to put a sub. A, a crazy ridiculous sub in my car right now now if i had a on the go-kart maybe i'll put one on the go-kart me and andy both have our little go-karts maybe we'll stick some subs on that and some some uh outdoor speakers and that'd be kind of cool but no i i that's all i have kip what are you, what are you running in your car well right now it's pure stock okay <laughs> Me and Kip are on the same page here today. Okay, so this is going to be funny. Y'all going to get right now. I have no subwoofer in my truck at the moment. Um, what what ended up happening was I was swapping subwoofers in and out for testing, just for videos, right? Just for the videos, and um, then I had my back surgery at a time when the sub was out, and subs are heavy. And I have it, you know, I slid that cheap Belva one in for that one with help from, from family members. And that came out pretty quick. It didn't stay in long. <laughs> you know, the, the car I'm um, currently driving, it is, matter of fact, it's so stock. I, it's, you know how the plumber's house leaks and the electrician's house has a light that never turns on? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm accused of that at work with my car. Now, the car I had before this, um, I had gear in it all the time. It was actually a test vehicle. So I would have something in the car for about two weeks pull it out, throw something else in for two weeks because it was constantly testing gear. Uh, when I got rid of that vehicle and got the current vehicle I have now, I just haven't had the time to go through and, and do anything to it. Although karma, you know, is, is an interesting thing. And my front left door speaker is blown. So now I'm ready to do an upgrade. But what I'm waiting on is I want an L7X10 for my vehicle. That would be nice. Well, see, and here's the deal. Like, I I would, you know, if I didn't have children, I'd probably, I, I always ran a system in my car before I had children, but then I'm like, I don't know if I really want that in, in my car right now. When they get older, I'm sure I will go back to it most likely, but I'm going to go more for sound quality when I do it. I'm not going to be into <laughs> the SPL anymore. I, All right. I'm, Joaquin Juarez says, me... I better make time or there'll be consequences. <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked I got to. So I, I got a funny story out. for y'all. Okay. Uh, this oh, is, I got okay. So before I started pulling things in out and experimenting with, I had an underseat enclosure or prefab enclosure with a pair of Polk audio tins that I got, uh, I bought them like they were closeouts from Crutchfield and they were 40 bucks each. And for, they were great woofers. I still got them. They're still down in the garage collecting dust. Threw those things in there on Alpine amplifier. I'm sorry. It's not kicker gear, Kip, but it didn't oh, have to, you don't have to apologize for that ever. <laughs> um, and, um, and so it was, uh, I, you know, I had, I had my, my kids in the car and they had some, some friends who were going somewhere. I forget where it may have been a kid's birthday party. A kid's were doing sleepovers and stuff. And I had a, you know, three kids in the back of the truck with, you know, extended cab trucks sitting in the back. And, and, and I turned the base up just a little bit. And one of the kids yelled out, oh, wow, it feels like I'm getting a butt massage. And I thought, oh, God, please don't go home and tell your mama that you got a butt massage in the back of my truck. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble. No, please don't tell your mama. 
<laughs> you know, you, you talk about having a system in your car, and I saw a few comments over there. If anyone ever gets a chance, you know, we've had him on the show and talked with him, Mr. John Myers. We call him Dr. 12 Volt. John and I came to work for Kicker at the same time. And John has a Ford Mustang GT, which has an over-the-top uh, installation done in that car. I know some people have seen it uh, at a few, excuse me, a few of the shows. But John has, a, a, I mean, it is a show quality type installation in his car. I've just, you know, sometimes I've just been busy, you know, between work and uh, my wife and I have been building a house. Uh, I just don't have time to work on my own stuff. So it's, it's priorities. As soon as I get the house done, I can work on the, then I can move in the garage and I can work on some. So real quick, uh, Justin, someone asked, uh, 25 Hertz to Life told me to put the Dayton 15 inch, which is the MX 15 in my car. First of all, no, that's in my home theater. I love it in my home theater. That's staying there. The it wouldn't end. fit in your car. It probably wouldn't. I'm gonna, I'm, well, yeah, because I have an SUV. Five-cubic-foot box. It's not going to fit in the back of that Lincoln. <laughs> I think it's four-cubic-foot. You know, it might be five. I don't remember. But you know what? I'm going to build a second one because you can never have enough bass. And that's the thing. Like, If you said, Nick, what speakers do you have in your home theater? That would change every week. So, you know, like, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta ask the, you know, the right question for me. Uh, I love car audio, but you know, right now I'm okay with stock for this car. Now, if I ever buy a fixer upper car, something that's real easy to do that stuff to then, but you know, the higher end stuff, like your Lincolns, any of your newer cars, man, it's like, it's just gets more convoluted. You got to buy all this other stuff for it. And you, you know, you say that and I got it, you know, I'm an, I'm an audio guy, obviously I've been in audio forever and I appreciate a great sounding system. I don't care if it's in home car bar nightclub. I mean, I'm that guy that you go out to, to with me to a nightclub or a bar. If I'm there five minutes and the audio system sounds horrible, I'm like, let's finish the drink guys and go to the next place. Like what? Oh, this place. I'm like, nah, this place sounds horrible. I have to have good sounding audio or I don't want to be around it. It just does. It just drives me crazy. And, I agree. And, and the know, thing that go ahead. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't believe that I'm some golden eared audiophile, but when it sounds wrong, <laughs> you, you just know it. And it's like, no, 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 no. We, we just can't. You know, um, I appreciate getting in front of a set of speakers and closing your eyes and having that experience where you can actually see with your ears the stage and the imaging and the height and the placement of everything. I appreciate that. It's not that I don't, but I will take good tonal frequency response over everything else every day of the week. Because if you can't sit there and just enjoy the music, if it's not harsh, it's not raspy, if it's not covering the full bandwidth, if, if it's not EQ'd out properly, whether mechanically, the enclosure, electronics, call it whatever you want altogether. But if it doesn't sound good, and by sound good, I just mean I can sit there and I can talk to people and I can enjoy it. And the music sounds right. The bass is tight. It hits. When it needs to be deep, it is. The mid-range is present and full, but not overbearing. The, the tweeters, uh, you know, sound like a good soft dome, but aren't tearing my head off. When, it's, when the music sounds good, you can spend hours listening to it and the people you're around and enjoying the conversation and everything. But when the system sounds bad... I get listeners fatigue and it's not that I'm trying to be a, it's not like I'm sitting at the bar going, Oh, it doesn't image your stage. No, I'm sitting at the bar going, this sounds horrible. <laughs> I got to go. Yeah, I know. I, but the, the no, thing no, about I'm it, kidding. no, I'm he's kidding. right. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I'll even say, well, I, I'll say that one of the reasons why I actually bought my car. Well, I can't say one of the, re but one, it did actually play into the part was it was actually designed by uh, THX and George Lucas. They all went in there and they did a bunch of stuff. And, 
I, you know what? I got to say, for a stock system, it sounds good. I'm not going to say great. It sounds good, though. You know, I, I'm all right with that. But, you know, I also knew that some of the other systems, it was going to be very hard to upgrade. And I'm also one of the people, though, when I get in my car, I listen more to, like, not music, you know, podcasts and Podcasts, talk things. radio. Yeah. Where, news. Yeah, where... Well, not so much news, but yeah, <laughs> those types of things. Yeah, where I, I get like a more, I don't know, more the intellectual versus the emotional. I know they're not podcasts. I find myself in my car a lot listening to YouTube, and I'll just fire up a video. I mean, I, I'm I've listened to both of your channels in the car driving, doing stuff. I'm not watching. I just use it to listen because I think it's interesting to listen to all that. But, you know, we talk about stock cars, you know, getting harder and harder. I know Andy talked about a little bit ago as far as integration and things. I got to say this. The, the time I got to spend driving a Tesla S Plaid, which, first off, the performance of that car is insane. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe how a car goes zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds and doesn't put a smile on your face because it certainly does. But I don't know who they hired to design the audio system that goes in that Tesla S Plaid. It's pretty darn good. And when I say it's pretty darn good, I mean it's pretty darn good across the entire bandwidth. Uh, it gets loud, it's clean, it's accurate, it's got bass, it's deep and tight. If I had a Tesla S Plaid, probably the only thing I would even look at doing to it would be, be maybe adding a single subwoofer just to get a little more oomph in that, you know, 25 to 45 hertz range that the stock system doesn't have. But I got to tell you that Tesla S Plaid, it even gets it down there. I was shocked at how good that stock audio system sounded. Shocked. Well, so this guy actually, Tron brought this up. Did bazooka tubes used to be better in the 90s? I heard one last week and it wasn't like for, I got to say, I didn't realize Kicker still made bazooka tubes because I, I brought that up on your channel, Kicker Unmasked, the other day. And you guys still make some, don't you? Like we never, solar? bazooka tubes, the, the actual trademark bazooka tubes was made by SAS, had nothing to do with Kicker at all. Yeah, but and they're just Sono tubes, aren't they? Uh, it's, it's, it's a round enclosure with a half round port And the cool. The cool thing about bazookas and what they got away with is they were fairly compact because the port ran along the entire exterior of the tube. So they got really low tuning without being a really huge box. It was really a cool concept. Um, you know, so, I mean, I've had people, I've had lots of people put me in their cars and say, Oh man, I got a set of kickers. You got to hear these come look in my car and I'll go out and listen. And then when it's the demos all said and done, it's, JL gear or it's Rockford gear or it's bazooka tubes. I mean, I've heard everything and people tell me, Oh, you're the kicker guy. Yeah. I got kickers in my car. Come take a listen. They sound great. <laughs> and so that's the power of, you know, being a name that means just high performance, you know, subwoofers is what kicker was known for. So I've heard lots of kicker systems in my day that aren't kicker, <laughs> but I'm respectful of all of them. Now, so no, do, you, the, the, do you guys still make tubes? A, do you make a Sono tube or no? You make a tube. We make two, two, we make a, we call a TB eight and a TB 10 and what it is, is we've taken the concept where it's a comp R driver with a comp R passive radiator on the other end. So it is a tube product. You can mount it like a tube, but it's not ported. It's passive radiator. And both of those products, like the 10 is tuned at like ah, 31 hertz. The the 8's tuned at like 33 or 34. It's a little higher because it's an 8. But both of those products, is a, it's a fine example of those products were made and they sound fantastic. They're not going to float babies. If you're just looking to put in some good, accurate bass into any car, yeah, that TB8 and that TB10. Uh, in particular, the high-end version of that is the QB8, which that's a 
extruded aluminum enclosure with a Q-class 8 and a Q-class passive radiator on it. So we do our own version of those, but I just want to make sure that there, no one misunderstands. We have nothing to do with bazooka tubes or the company SAS. So, so the um, bazooka tube, the thing that I remember about them, one, they, they bragged in their advertising that they only went down to 39 hertz. That's the first thing. <laughs> um, I remember that vividly. And at the time, I thought that was impressive, <laughs> um, but I know better now. Um, and they, they would sell an amplified version uh, that could be the master and then a secondary one you can plug into it. And so you could basically, you know, run them at two ohms off of one of them. They were really designed, you know, behind the seat of a truck, try to get into a tight spot. They came with tie downs built into them so you could easily tie them down so they wouldn't roll around in your car, which they would because they're round. I probably um, have a box somewhere with a bunch of those tie downs still in a box because I'm a I pack mean, rat. And in my opinion of them is that when I was 16, I thought it sounded, I thought they were pretty badass, but looking back, I never heard one ever. I don't recall ever hearing one. And now looking at the specs now, it's like, yeah, that's actually kind of a lame speaker. Um, I, I don't really, I don't think they ever were that great. Well, I think when know, I was 16 and I heard bass for the first time, everything impressed me. And now I'm not as impressed. Maybe I'm kind of, maybe I'm just being, I don't ignorant, but I, I feel like low tuning though is more of a, I would say more of the past, 15 year type thing like especially in home theater like 20 hertz and below like that's that wasn't really a thing really back then i don't feel like you know the thing i think that really drove the 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 need or desire to have lower frequency i think it all started when the cd player hit the scene mm. and i think when the cd player hit because actually i look back at my career path and i think the cd player was the evolutionary product that just changed audio for everyone. Mm. Um, whether you want to get into the nostalgic, you know, uh, I love the sound of a record or it's warmer, or, you know, just put all that aside. The CD and the advent of it was the first time that the average consumer could get as close to a digital master anywhere they wanted, portable, in their car, in their home. Uh, and then, of course, that opens a whole can of worms today about, you know, bit rate and bit depth and things like that today. But the fact is, I think CD, when it hit, it opened up that door where people actually started to either see the limitations in the, the products they had in their car and were open yeah. to having that discussion for something more because they're like, okay, there's stuff here that I'm not fully experiencing. And I think that really drove the, the revolution. I really so, do believe that. So what is your thoughts then on everything kind of going digital? Like, I mean, almost everything in the car now is either going to be hooked up with Android Auto, right? Or Bluetooth 5.0. Bluetooth well, sucks. Sure. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I, there's a joke at work. I tell people come up to me and they'll say, Hey, ask Kip what he likes about Bluetooth. And I look at him and go, absolutely nothing. Um, I, maybe it's the purest in me, but the bottom line is I've done those tests. When, when people tell me that MP, oh, MP3 is just as good. You can, and I'm here to say, no, I've done the test. It's not just pie in the sky. I can hear the difference between a track that's fully uncompressed and one that's done at 320, 256, 192, or 128. The differences are there. Um, so for me, going digital, CD was already digital. The, the fact of the matter is CD was, and when I use the word compression, and we got to be careful because there's so many different types of compression we could talk about in the audio path. Sure. But CD was the first digital compression 
that we as consumers got exposed to and it was acceptable. It, it did basically did 20 to 20. It was acceptable. We could hear it and people loved it. Now, once we got to the CD player, I'm buying CDs back in the, you know, in the, in the 80s. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, the next evolution step is no spinning disc. It's just going to be on a card, like an Atari cartridge. You plug it in and it just plays your music with no moving parts. Well, we've gotten there. There you go. We've gotten there. But what happened is if you look at the audio, there you go. If you look at the audio chain and, and you'll go back as far as you want, every time they came out with a new medium for the consumers, it got better audio in your hands until MP3. And when we got to MP3 and that type of compression, it was the first time that audio quality took a step backwards because people wanted to be able to really what drove it was Napster and all the things back in the day when there weren't high speed internet connections and people just wanted to share music. Yeah, there, you, there was a that's what things, drove right? it. And, and the other thing also was storage capacity was expensive back was, then too. Yes. Right. And so now though, storage capacity is cheaper. People have, I mean, people have, I have one one terabyte internet. I mean, everyone has like ridiculous internet now, right? Like you can get all kinds of fast internet out there. And I, I said that wrong, but it doesn't matter. You know, so you can get whatever. <laughs> I knew you made gigabit. I, I know. And I'm like, I just said terabyte. And I'm like, I'm I call them magic <laughs> internet numbers. I'm like, I'm just, maybe no one caught that. And I'm like, I can't believe I just said that. But anyway, it doesn't matter. You know, so we have all this internet. And now uh, Elon Musk has his new Starlink that's supposed to, like whenever that goes real live that's supposed to be even faster than what i have now whenever it, you know 10 years down the road or whenever that happens so now the question is you know like now we have all this stuff but we're still kind of in that mp3 realm though and why why I, is that i keep hoping um i'll, I'll be uh, as far as a musical source i still buy compact discs as a matter of fact i should have i should have got it to show you i just got my signed autograph version of the latest TechMaster PEB. Oh yeah. I, I just got that it. Deal. So I, I have the original one. I still own the original TechMaster PEB. When he came out and he was going to do this, you know, this remastered and new tracks, I had to have it. So I plopped down my 40 bucks, got an autograph copy, and I'm tickled to death to have it. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to rip that into my computer as lossless. I do a lossless uh, flack or alec, either one. And then I play it back. I have an Onkyo DAP1, which is my media player. So I use a media player. I have no problem with digital music, but I still, to this day, buy music that I like on CD. I rip it as a lossless format, and then I carry it around with me in my own drive because it does matter. Now, See, for I, the streaming, I, I do subscribe to Amazon Music HD, and uh, there's not anyone that you, if you're listening to that and you go from a standard stream to an HD stream. Now, is it CD? It's I haven't done an analysis but it sure sounds better than the MP3. But here's the deal. I think what, what we've done is settled from quality for convenience. Cause it's the yes. same, thing, same way with movies, right? Like movies, if you listen, so Blu-ray, most people, a lot of people don't know this, but Blu-ray and 4k UHD disc, whatever they will use completely lossless audio. Okay. So yes. no, no compression at all. Now, a lot of people are under the impression that Dolby digital is the same thing as a, what you get on a Blu-ray, which is like Dolby True HD or DTS Master HD. It's not. Dolby Digital nope. is compressed. Those are not. So when you're like designing speakers and things like that, you want to listen to those uncompressed versions as well. You don't want to listen to that. But unfortunately, like now, everyone wants to go to streaming, and streaming is always compressed audio. You know, you talk about streaming being compressed. Out. If it's a movie that I'm going to enjoy, even if I'm just going to watch it once, 
I will go out and buy it on a Blu-ray 4K. And I will oh. come home and I will watch on Blu-ray 4K. I have actually done side-by-side on the same TV at home, and I've looked at the streaming version and, and HD 4K and coming off of the Blu-ray disc. And two things are glaringly apparent, and you don't have to be an audiophile, videophile to see these things. Number one, the streaming version has tons of banding in the color. It's mm-hmm. not as bright. The dynamic range isn't there, no matter what they say. So HDR doesn't look as good unless you're coming off of Blu-ray 4K. And on the audio, they can tell you all day long that it's Atmos and it's this and it's that, whatever, coming on the stream. It's all compressed. You it's don't compressed get Atmos, the yeah. same. Yes. Because so, it's considered Dolby Digital Plus Atmos, which is compressed. Compressed. And, and it can transfer, I believe, Dolby Digital Plus Atmos can actually transfer over fiber optics. So you know it's compressed. Correct. So the, the thing about it is we have a it's scary in my mind, but we've reached a point where a lot of people are just at the it's good enough. And what that does for people like me or Justin or Nick is that we're not happy with just good enough. We're doing this because we want to experience better than good enough. Um, we want to we want to experience up to the point that we can tell there are diminishing returns. When I reach that point, then there's no point in spending any more money or any more time because I've reached the nirvana. But the good enough drives what's available to people like you and I. And so it's really pretty scary that, you know, for compact disc, I mean, anymore, I mean, it's just it's Amazon. If I want a disc, I just go to Amazon, order it and ship to the house because I can't go to Best Buy and buy them anymore. And no. even Walmart doesn't carry really what they used to. And if I want a movie, fortunately, Best Buy still carries them. But anymore, if it's a movie I like, I just get in line and pre-order it and have it shipped to the house and have it on 4K because there is a difference. Now, is there enough difference for you to appreciate or not? That's a personal call. Well, I think there is if you have a good enough system. I mean, I think part of that is limitations of your system. Now, I'll tell you this, too. This is You're going to find this funny. Where I live, I live out in the middle of nowhere. Where I live, we still have a video store. I can go rent. Is it a blockbuster? No, it's not a blockbuster. I don't live There's in actually a block. There's a, I'm sure they're not owned by blockbuster, but there's still a couple of blockbusters running in the U S No, this is like the same. They actually had this big old deal because they've been open every day since like 1986 or something. And then this Thanksgiving, they decided to close for a day and it was like this big deal. Everyone's like, Oh my gosh, they're closed. <laughs> it's like, it's what are we going to so, do about the video store? <laughs> So when it comes to MP3, that type of compression for audio, I am a non-plus guy. I'm not into it at all. Now, the other thing is there is compression that's used when you're mixing or mastering or capturing a live recording and things like that. And if you don't use compression there properly, it will sound horrible. So it, it, compression is not a bad thing. It's, it's what type of compression are we talking about? And when it comes to taking uh, a, an audio source and then running it through an algorithm and throwing a bunch of the data away because we've determined that it's masked and you're not going to hear it anyway, or that the upper harmonics, the masking, you're not going to tell that there's upper frequencies there that actually affect the lower frequency. If you just want to believe all that, then MP3 is for you if you want to have quantity. But I'm here to tell you, MP3 is horrible, and MP3 over Bluetooth is even worse. So now now comes the other question, then what do you think about all the new head units? Because most of them are not coming with CD players anymore. I think CDs are dead, unfortunately, except for the few dinosaurs like us who want to search them out and find them. I'm fine if CDs are dead, if they will just simply offer me a way to download direct 2496 masters. I'll pay the same price or I'll even pay a little bit more money. Let me download 2496 masters and that's where I want to go. I'm good with carrying all my music on a portable device. I'm good with streaming it and what I'm hoping is that as data becomes faster and the price for data gets cheaper, 
is we see more of a push, whether it's from places like Tidal or Amazon HD or things like that, where they are actually, you know, or Cubiz, I think it is, Cobiz, Cobiz. Cobiz, yeah. There's several services that are offering either CD quality or better than CD quality downloads. And I think as data gets cheaper and the people are less attached to one to own the cover art and throw it on a shelf and say, I own it. I'm hoping that we'll have higher quality music to stream because well, it, there is yeah. a big convenience factor to that. Well, cause we, we now have the bandwidth you should, I mean, with AC internet and everything else now with your wireless internet, you should have the bandwidth now to be able to do that. So I don't, I don't see the issue as well. Apple. Um, Okay, sorry. I did. I will say I did try that Amazon Music out um, this past week. I had never tried that with the HD, um, and there is a huge difference between like that and even just Pandora or something. Yes, there I is, was, and so that's what I subscribe to. I use if I'm going to stream something or I don't know if it's nothing I own on disc, I'll stream it off Amazon HD, and then if it's something I really like, I I buy the disc. My problem with new head units is that they only have one aux input. What do you think about that, Justin? You know, I mean, I can't remember the last time that I actually plugged into the auxiliary input of my head unit. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's been a while. And I use Bluetooth a lot because of the convenience, uh, especially if I am streaming a podcast or something. And Kip's about to, his eyes just rolled out of his head. It's like, how dare no. you? I mean, it's it's convenient. It's convenient. It is. It's it is. convenient. It's, it's way a- convenient. I, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to this because, like, Android Auto will uh, transfer via USB. Um, most, of, I mean, you can actually do wireless in some videos, but a lot of them do via USB. What is the? Is there any? Uh, you know, and I, I've never really paid attention because I already told you guys I don't listen to a lot of music in my car. Is there any type of quality benefit by doing that over streaming Bluetooth? If it will pull the files directly off the USB into the head unit and the head unit will use its DAC to convert them. Absolutely. It just depends. Yeah, I got you. That makes sense. I'll, I'll say this, um, you know, uh, Dean's popped in and said wireless CarPlay for the win. I installed an Alpine radio in my wife's car. I mentioned that before. Uh, it has wired, um, CarPlay and Android auto. That thing is picky. It has to have a pristine USB cable in order to operate properly. And I am just about fed up with that Alpine uh, ILX W650. I'm ready to rip the damn thing out and throw it away. I could not recommend anyone use one of those head units. I'm very unhappy with it. And I'm about to go out and buy a wireless one because she's commuting back and forth. And I'm getting tired of her not being able to use her phone safely. Before you do that, I believe it's a Toto that makes one. I could be wrong. but they. Yeah, I be- a Toto, and not Toto, um, a Toto. I-, I believe they make a unit that actually will take your wired and turn it into wireless. You might want to take a look into that. It's only Toto, like- is that the one who wrote the song about Africa? I bless the rings <laughs> down in copyright strike. It's the same exact person. Yep, same exact one. It's A-T-O-T-O, I believe. I believe it's them that make it. I could be wrong. So don't, you know, don't quote me on the exact person but but what i do that i'm not going to really throw it away i'm going to put it in my truck because i think my old alpine cd receiver the old trusty is beginning to wear out it stopped playing cds the other day so but uh, well if you if you do like it though you know you could take a look and just see if uh that would be something that you want so justin how do you play your music obviously you hold up you hold up your phone so you must stream most everything you do I, i do i do a lot of streaming um i've got a couple of cds that i keep in the truck that I that I put in when I want to show off the stereo or uh, or just enjoy some music. Um, um, 
Oh, money for nothing. You, you know, that kind of thing. That's just, it's, it's there. So if I just want to like, let me stick in something and crank it really loud and just sit in the parking lot and close my eyes and, and, and curse my job kind of thing. Everyone does that. I'm sure. Um, but I do stream a lot and, um, and I do like a lot of bass heavy stuff, but I also love a lot of classic rock. And so it's just, to, to me, it's just fun to just get in and just turn it up to a moderate listening level and turn the bass up just a little bit more and play some something and just enjoy it um and so and and swap it out you never know what i'm going to be playing i might be dropping tech master today and then uh, metallica the next day and then there's country music on right after that so so justin i'm just going to take a guess just listen to what you were talking about i'm going to bet that if you were to listen to what someone would call a sound quality system so it was tuned for sound quality mm -hmm. you would listen to it and go man this sounds great if it only had six to nine dB more bass, because <laughs> that's me. Probably so. That's I, I, me. I don't think of myself as a bass head, but I think I might be one. <laughs> it's everyone loves that little that drive that hit, and the thing is, you know what they call a sound quality curve. You know, I like everything that they do for a sound quality car, except below hundred hertz, because they just to me it's too lean. And all those cars, if I go in and just raise the level, the subwoofer six to nine dB, I'm a happy camper. I, I tell you what, here's a good one for you. Um, go, uh, go play this on your MP3 Bluetooth kip. Get some <laughs> um, uh, bullet with butterfly wings by Smashing Pumpkins. Bullet uh, with, with butterfly, butterfly wings. wings by okay. Smashing Pumpkins. I don't yeah. know that one, but I'm going to check know it that out. One? Oh, no, oh, I do man. not, but it's I'm like going when to. I, when tonight. I first started losing my hair, I thought I would try to look like Billy Kerrigan. That was the plan. So that was. <laughs> Before I had any facial hair to go with the bald head. No, Smashing Pumpkins. Anybody in the chat, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, Smashing Pumpkins. Anybody remember that song? Just like, no, everyone, I mean, it's, it's, it's like Inner Sandman that just bass just hammers just oh. like Inner Sandman does. Uh, just absolutely amazing. There you go. Thomas Marshall knows exactly where it's at. He always does. He does always. And also. I'll check it out said, tonight, Thomas. Also, he said that you made up the song. <laughs> no, I just looked it up. It is actually a thing. Bullet with butterfly wings. By the smashing pump. Yeah, smashing. They had a, I had their box set back in the day. I might have, I think I lost one of the discs. The one with the song that I liked the most was the one that I lost. <laughs> hey, but, the uh, comment here yeah. from uh, a Wet Socks, he says, that, Kip, you wouldn't like my open baffle system then. We need to add a sub for you. Actually, some of the best sounding audio systems I've heard in my life were Infinite Baffle or, uh, you know, as you want to call it right there, open baffle systems. Uh, the thing about it is you use the right driver and you do an, an infinite baffle or free air type system, man, they just have extension for days and they're just smooth and they're tight. Um, of course, I've done a few. Uh, one of my favorites I did and it's a long time ago was a 315s. Uh, did the back seat of a, uh, I can't remember the car, but it was 315s I worked into there and I loved the way they sounded. But it took 315s for me. AJC knows what it's all about. Despite all of my rage, I am still, just, still a just a rat cage. in a cage. You know, I know the song. That line. You I know, know the that. song? Yeah, I know that's it. the song. Okay. Yeah. The, and that, the name of that song is Butter... Bull, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Is that, is that I, right, everybody? Okay. In the chat? I've heard the song then, but I didn't know that was the title. Uh, yeah, the Smashing it. Pumpkins were weird, uh, but that's what made them awesome. <laughs> that's off the... Uh, yeah, I know the song exactly. I'll have to go put it on my Amazon HD list. I'll have to add it. All right. Well, I think we're I think we, we're running we out of almost been at it for two yeah. hours. <laughs> I think I, I think we're out of 
You're hitting my bedtime Kip, here. <laughs> Kip, thank you so much for the late ad. Um, uh, I, 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 I shot Kip a message earlier to tell him I was going to be sporting the new kicker gear that he sent me. Uh, and then about, you know, right after we started the stream, I looked at my phone and saw that he had messaged me and said, hey, I can join if you want me to. And well, of course you can join. Come on. <laughs> um, and so it's been a blast. This has been a pretty fun show. And so we sure, we sure appreciate you popping in, just kind of ad hoc, just jumping in, Kip. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks. I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, sincerely not just me. I mean, the shirt and stuff we sent you, it's not from me. That's from Kicker. And uh, I know uh, both of you guys do channels that aren't necessarily car audio related, but I consider everything that's going on in these communities to be a positive thing for everyone. And so this is just a small way that Kicker is trying to, you know, show our support for everyone. So we, we appreciate you wearing the shirt and give us the shout out. But uh, all that goes to Steve Irby and the great management team. No, yeah. And we should also, you know, I don't know that we said this yet if you guys have not checked out kicker unmasked you need to um what, great what, who has not checked out kicker unmasked what's wrong with you if you're not watching <laughs> kicker unmasked you know kicker unmasked. watching us and not watching kicker something is wrong with you <laughs> there's a lot of people that watch all of it but you know uh it's amazing to see the growth rate that we have in kicker unmasked i mean the people who tune in and new subscribers every tuesday night it's pretty crazy and uh it's just a pretty uh we have a very loose script that we run um I had someone one night made a comment on something about, man, he must be really good at reading off a teleprompter. And I'm just like, there ain't no <laughs> teleprompter. <laughs> That's your proof today. <laughs> but it was fun. I thank you for having me on. And uh, anytime, I'd love to get both of you either together or separately on a show uh, unmasked one night. So we need to plan that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, We'd sure, love that. sure. Yeah. We've got any, we've, anytime you want to, anytime you want to have us, let us know. Uh, I'll, I'll try to make time for it. Absolutely. would love to get you guys on, pick a topic or something that makes sense. Let's, let's do a powwow. We've just got three shows left. Um, after this Tuesday show, three for the rest of the year, we're going to take the 28th off. That's going to be Christmas holiday. We're going to wish That's everyone good, a yeah. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And then we'll be back uh, January, forget this, at the 4th, I think, is the first Tuesday. I, I, I may be wrong on the date, but uh, yeah, we're just doing three shows in December and then we're out. And uh, we got something special planned for the show we're not doing. So keep an eye out for that. It'll be pretty cool. Interesting. <laughs> Oh, the patented Kip wink there. We got something <laughs> special coming up. Kip has been like trying to keep everyone on the edge of the street, uh, their seat the whole show, hasn't he? He's been like, oh, should I talk about that? No. Uh, you're going to have to tune in to Kicker Unmasked to tell you about that. You know? tell you what. I'm going to tell you what. It's not that I can't keep a secret. It's the people I tell. They won't keep their mouths shut. <laughs> you mean like all the people watching right now? <laughs> exactly. It's funny because it's, it's true. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'm going to get out of here. I got some things I need to finish up outside, even though it's dark, but I got a flashlight. I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to uh, start a fresh day tomorrow. Thanks for having me on. I had a blast. Look forward to seeing you both sometime soon. All right. Thanks. All righty. Thank you for popping in, Kip. Um, as we wrap up the show, let me say thank you to Livid Leon for the super chat. We sure appreciate you uh, uh, helping out with uh, with our show by participating financially. Uh, that money goes to good usage. Probably some more of these. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see y'all next time. I'm Justin, the DIY audio guy, and I'll see you on the next adventure. Nick, give us your sign out. I'm out. Kip, you want to do a sign out too? Peace, everyone. All right. In broadcast. We'll see y'all on the next one. <laughs>